Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 43 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio, and its suite of online law practice management tools. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Tom, in our last episode, we talked about a very cool experiment to integrate practice management tools in, into law school education. This week, we learned a few days ago that both Facebook and Apple were going to make huge announcements, and so we decided <laughs> ahead of time we would pick one of them as the topic for our show. Unfortunately, we found out that the, we noticed that the Beatles really were before both of our times and that the fact that Apple was cementing <laughs> iTunes as the go-to place for baby boomers didn't really make the Apple announcement a day that we'll never forget. Much exactly. more interesting to us was the Facebook announcement. Tom, do you want to tell our listeners what we have on the agenda for this episode? Absolutely. In this uh, edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we will talk about webmail and specifically about Facebook's plan to change the way we use email forever. In our second segment, we'll share some thoughts and observations about ebooks and ebook readers. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, which is webmail and specifically Facebook messages. Dennis, lots of us use online email either as our work email or just for personal use. This week, Facebook decided to enter the webmail arena uh, when it made a big announcement. Do you want to tell our listeners about the big news from Facebook? Well, the big news is something called Facebook Messages. And uh, it is Facebook's entry into email, but it's not just email. So I, the idea here is that Facebook wants to provide people with a, a unified messaging platform and a unified inbox. And so I, I think the name is, is important. So it's Facebook Messages. And so the idea is we'll be able to, in Facebook, send email uh, instant message, text, even chat, all out of one location. We'll have that inbox. We'll have a Facebook email address that we can use in connection with this. It will keep, uh, and in addition to the unified inbox, we'll also, we'll also keep track of conversations for us. So you have a conversation history all, all within there. And you, then you'll be able to pick and choose the messaging platform that you want to use. And so I think in a nutshell, for me, that's how I interpret what we're going to see with Facebook messages. Although uh, I'll note, Tom, that neither of us and, and probably almost very few people have actually seen Facebook messages at this point. Did I miss anything? Well, there are really three parts, I think, to Facebook messages that are that are sort of interesting. The, the first is what you've talked about, the seamless messaging that depending on how you get messages within Facebook, they'll all come now to the same place. So your your mess your email messages, your instant messages, your text messages, they'll come to one place and then they'll find you wherever you want to be found and, and get that information. Uh, they'll also be, uh, you know, Facebook is going to keep a conversation history. It becomes one long 
uh, set of, of, of conversations between you and that person. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. I, I like the idea of, of curating your messages. And one of the, I think of the benefits of email is you can delete parts of it. And I'm not sure whether or not parts of this will be uh, able to be deleted, especially if you go through a rough patch with one of your friends. Um, I don't know that it'll do that. But one of the things I also think is interesting is, is something that I, I think I've heard others call the social inbox, which is a little bit like what Google has done with its priority inbox. And I'm using Gmail. And the priority inbox is a fantastic feature that reads each email as it comes in, or at least scans it, determines whether that person is important to me or whether it's junk mail, and they prioritize my email for me. It's a fantastic tool for doing that. And social, the social inbox feature of, of Facebook messages, I think, is going to do the same thing. It will rise the messages from your friends will rise to the top and spam messages or messages from other people that you don't really care about will uh, will 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 probably go closer to the bottom or be put into other areas where you might not see them as often. And that raises an interesting issue, which is which is the fact that although right now your Facebook messages are for only uh, your Facebook friends, everybody on Facebook is going to be getting uh, their own Facebook.com email address, which allows anybody to send messages to anybody on Facebook. Do you think that lawyers, I'm skeptical about this, Dennis, but do you think that lawyers would actually start using their Facebook.com email address for their law practice? No, I mean, I, I think there'll be evolution along those lines. And, it, and if you have a branded email address, especially with your firm name, your personal name, whatever is your domain name, I don't think it's going to make sense to use that, a, a Facebook.com email address uh, for business purposes. Uh, I, I think you'd rather have things go to that main address. But we're seeing this really, I, I think, very rapid uh, evolution and change in, in the way that people are using social media. I think the biggest, when I look back on 2010 in January to now, I think the biggest change in my thinking is how central Facebook has has become to my way of, of thinking and how I need to get more involved in it as a platform. And so I think what we're going to find is that that with with this Facebook messaging, it's going to it's going to be, I think, a great thing to help us uh, on the personal side. But I think the the some of the benefits and we'll talk about some of these, but that ability to say, Email makes sense for this purpose. An instant message makes sense here. Oh, I can tell somebody's available. I can just shoot them a quick note and get a fast response. I don't want to get email. Is really going to be attractive. And I think it's going to be yet another case where what we're doing personally um, has an impact on what we're doing at work. So I think some of these features uh, can drive some of some of the evolution we'll see in work email. And to the extent that work email doesn't keep up with this, I think we're going to see people slip over into into some of the social media um, like Facebook because they want those types of features. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't think lawyers are going to be jumping in in, in great waves. I mean, I, you know, I think. I asked for an invitation to this, so I'll probably experiment with it. Um, I'm sure you will, Tom, but I don't know that there's going to be a huge volume of lawyers jumping at this, but I, it might look very different in a couple of years. 
I'm 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 unpersuaded that this becomes a tool that lawyers would want to use on a regular basis, and 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 that's because of what we we talked a little bit about what Facebook Messages is, but maybe we should spend a little bit of time talking about what it isn't, and 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 actually Facebook itself, the folks at Facebook would tell you that this really isn't email. They don't mean it to be email. Uh, there's not a subject line. The messages do not have subject lines. There's no CC. There's no BCC. In fact, you can't send messages. To multiple people. You can only send to one person. You have to be a member of a Facebook group in order to send messages to more than one person. And you can't forward email. So it really doesn't work the same way that regular email works. Uh, it, it, it's really a one-on-one conversation, which I think when we're talking personal, uh, then I think that's fine. I think that's what Facebook's about, is about the personal, person-to-person communications you have with one of your friends. But I think that from the, the law firm uh, frame of reference. I, I, I just don't see lawyers starting to, uh, to use this. Dennis, after all the complaining that I've done about, uh, about Facebook messages, I'm expecting your next comment to be something along the lines of email is broken, because I certainly have heard that from you enough times. Am I right? Yeah, I think that's probably the phrase I've used most in 2010. And and I really think that you know, Facebook messages is a response to email being broken. And some of the points you make, I think, are excellent in that uh, we're looking for ways and uses of email that still make sense to us. And we're looking for other messaging platforms uh, to use in other cases where they make sense. And so... Um, and I think that's part of the reason that Facebook is really, uh, even though they're giving you an email address, they're pointedly saying this is not exactly email or an email replacement. Because I think people are just really frustrated with, with email these days. And I think that's driven so much of social media, has really changed the way that we do uh, texting, those sorts of things. And, and we're just finding things that when you know somebody else is there at the same time, that real-time communication makes sense, that email, it just seems like you're just having email just fired at you, uh, you know, all day long. And it's just not a great way to communicate. And you got to do searching just to even manage things. So I think that we're we're looking at alternatives. And, uh, you know, this is interesting to me. I sort of feel, though, Tom, um, and, and kind of want to get your feeling on this, but remember about a year or so ago when Google Wave came out and it was going to be the replacement for email and we were all excited. And I think we did one of these preliminary podcasts about, you know, the, the potential for Google Wave. And now Google Wave is gone. But I, I think that impulse to say, is there a better alternative to communicate than email is really part of what's driving Facebook messages. And then there are a couple of other things that I'm sure we'll talk about later. You know, I think actually I, I, I understand the comparison to, to Google Wave, although I never really thought that it was a replacement for email. I know a lot of people said it might be. I never thought that it could be a replacement for email. I, I, I thought that it was mostly a collaboration tool. But here's where I think Facebook Messages has an advantage and, and, and has a better chance of succeeding where Google Wave ultimately failed. And that is... Facebook's entering into this with 500 million uh, users who are already sending messages, who are already conversing through instant messaging and text messages. So there won't be any uh, uphill battle to get users to adopt this. They're already using it. It's just showing them a different way to structure and keep track of all this information, um, which 
which uh, which I think is actually pretty powerful. I think that that the, the power of, of 500 million people is is pretty strong. But that sort of leads me to what I think is my other. You know, when I look at new technologies that come out, one of my uh, the the radar that comes out there is is whether or not. There are any e-discovery implications here and whether uh, there are concerns for people who are on Facebook. And certainly social media and e-discovery has been a huge issue. One of the I think when we look back on 2010, it's going to be one of the main issues in e-discovery was was how to identify and collect social media. Uh, I think that Facebook messages actually makes it a little bit easier to collect social uh, the, 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 the social media from Facebook because you're finally putting it all in one place. It's all in one area. So then instead of going to someone's Facebook account and asking for three different types of data, you're now just asking for one. So I, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of interesting that they're doing this that, uh, from an e-discovery standpoint. And I think it might make it easier to collect that data in individual cases. Although the fact that that conversation history is going to be permanent should be a warning to all of uh, you out there and your clients to, to, to know that whatever you say on Facebook is permanent uh, and you need to make sure that uh, that what you're saying you're not worried about ever becoming evidence in a lawsuit or some sort of legal matter. Any last thoughts on Facebook messages before we head to our next segment, Dennis? Yeah, Tom, I, I mean, I think you really part of we talked a little bit about webmail as well. But I, th I think that on the e-discovery side, I mean, you definitely raised some some really good points there. But I think that this whole movement of email, especially in our messaging. And if you think about the term conversation, but the movement of conversations to a third party host um, really has a lot of implications. And some of them are, are I think, are very positive. Um, I'm you know, I've long been a fan of what's now called cloud computing. And, and there are some great benefits to that. But it raises a lot of issues when a third party has uh, sensitive data, uh, conversation data, social data, and data that can be kind of put together in different ways and, and learn a lot about us uh, through those conversations. I mean, you sort of think if anybody's overhearing your conversations over a long time, they can find out a lot about you. So I, I think I think that's, uh, you know, one of the concerns we have, but there, there are pros and cons of that. I, I the, the other thing I think that you said is why this is more interesting to me than Google Wave is that people are all already in Facebook, as you said. And this is an improvement for something that they already do. And so, uh, you know, rather than a new silo or for you to go to to do something else. So I sort of think that 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 500 million person gorilla that Facebook is really makes this a significant development. And and so I know that uh we're both going to experiment with it, but I also think that anybody, especially a litigator these days, has to be aware of what's going on in Facebook and the developments there because people will definitely be using this. I totally agree. And I think this is something that you and I will be following for the months to come as they start rolling this out to its members. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Clio, with its great suite of online practice management tools. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. 
Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And today we have another edition of Stuff Tom and I Have Been Talking About. And we've been thinking about our own experiences with ebooks and e-readers and thought we'd share some of our thoughts and, and observations. I mean, in the first segment, we talked about something we have no experience with. So we thought we could counterbalance with something we actually have quite a bit of experience with. So I was at the local Barnes & Noble store last weekend with, with my teenage daughter. And we had an interesting conversation because she was telling me that in her class, one of her classes, they started talking about the Kindle and ebooks uh, compared to regular books. And she was surprised that all everyone in her class, including the teacher, were just fanatical almost about their love for the printed book and the printed page and the heft and the smell of books and everything. And they were very concerned about ebooks. And ironically, I was holding a book in my hand that was of a small enough type that I was having trouble reading it. And I said, you know, they need to see books through my eyes lately to to you know, understand some of the the uh, the benefits, I think of of eBooks. But it's kind of interesting how much has changed. I think you know, again, and even in the last year on eBooks, um, and I I'm really reading a lot more on on my Kindle, and I'm really intrigued at how much has changed. Amazon's talking about the Kindle versions are selling more than paperbacks and hardbacks. There's really been a dynamic change, and so. Tom, I know you were one of the earliest Kindle adopters that I know of, and now you have an iPad. What's your take on your your own take on uh, e-readers, e-books, and the difference, especially between those two devices? You know, I was listening just this week to the New York Times Technology Podcast, which is a really good podcast. You should download it and listen to it if you get the chance to. And, but this week, they were talking about ebooks and ebook readers, and they were pretty much echoing the, the general sentiment that this year, this is the year of the ebook and the ebook reader, and that ebooks reader sales are probably going to just go through the roof during the holidays. And, uh, and, and that has a lot to do with the Kindle. It has a lot to do with the 
iPad, but it has a lot to do also with the fact that that there are so many different types of ebook readers that are out there. You can go to Walmart now, you can go to Best Buy, you can go to just about any store and find a version of an ebook reader. You can go to Barnes and Noble and find the Nook, which just came out with a color version. You can go to Borders if Borders is your bookstore. They're selling their ebook reader too, and so I think the ubiquity of ebook readers is something that's really fascinating. And and although I do come across a lot of people who are you know still slaves, eh, slaves is not the right word. They they still believe that the paper book is superior, and I do like feeling the book and feeling those those uh, the beveled edges of the pages when they're printed that way. Uh, I really I agree with you. I've just got my first pair of bifocals and and have, being able to ratchet up that font on my Kindle is really nice. I was long a Kindle fan, and so I'm really going to talk about that. But I was skeptical when I got my iPad about its ability to work as a as an ebook reader, and and I think it's really nice. I mean, the screen is beautiful. It it displays in color. It's really a great experience. It, it does get washed out on the sun in the sun. So if you want to read in the sun, then you're better off with a with an uh, e-ink display like the Kindle has. It's not a big deal to me because I don't read out in the sun very often. But there's really mainly two reasons why I wound up sticking with the Kindle over the iPad to read books. One is, it's just a lot lighter. The iPad's about a pound and a half. I'm used to reading a Kindle like I read a regular book. I read it in bed, I read it on the plane, and I like to hold it in one hand. And you really just can't do that with an iPad. It's just a little too cumbersome to do. But the main reason that I've stuck with Kindle over iPad or really any other book reader is that Amazon has got their business down. They really understand that it's not about the book readers because, as you can tell, they're all over the place. It's about the books themselves. And so I can get my Kindle books not just on the Kindle itself, but on my iPhone, on my iPad, on any computer that I want to get it on. I can stop reading my Kindle at home and then I can go out and I'm sitting around waiting for something to happen. I can pull out my iPhone and there's my book and it's synced exactly to the place where I stopped reading it at home. And, I, you know, that kind of functionality you just can't get with a lot of other places. And I, I, I it's a seamless reading experience. And I think that's what sets it apart from the iPad, from iBooks, and from the other book applications. But I, I, I think that no matter what, I think that everybody deserves, uh, you know, owes it to themselves to at least try it out because it really is a unique reading experience. I know I've kind of hogged the conversation here, but Dennis, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I, you and I have talked about how the big selling point for me on the Kindle was that I get uh, allergy shots on a regular basis and I have to wait half an hour after the shots in the doctor's office before I leave. And now I could take, you know, magazines or articles or, or whatever to read, but um, I subscribe to this Get Abstract uh, business book summary and you can download them in the Kindle format. So I'm able to take the Kindle, take those book summaries on the Kindle and I can have, you know, tons of them on there. And in the 30 minutes I have there while I'm, I'm waiting in the doctor's office or if I have to wait before I go into the office, I have my choice of whatever, whatever thing is on the Kindle that I want to read that strikes my fancy as interesting. It's all right there. Um, now they have the Kindle by my bed. I don't have books, you know, around, you know, around my bed. I just have the Kindle there and I can say, Oh, there were a bunch of books on here. I'll just pick the one I want to start reading. And I think you're right, Tom. You could start, 
you know, for people who like to start several books, you can do it and remember is exactly exactly where you you are. And I think you also suggested me to get this sort of uh, you and others suggested uh, the the cover that's that's sort of a fold over cover, so it gives you a book feel in a way, you know, hand feel when you're when you're reading and you read off the Kindle. And I just cleared out boxes and boxes of books from my basement uh, while we're doing some work on on uh, improving things down there. And um, I got to tell you, I don't know whether well, first, I don't know whether my wife and daughter are going to let all those books back into the house from the garage. But um, you start to think, you say, well, I could have all of these books on my Kindle and access them whenever I want uh, versus, you know, carting them all around and, you know, moving them from place to place in a room and having them gather dust and, and all that sort of thing. So I think that that is interesting. And then then I think the pricing thing has also become uh, an important thing. Somebody just said simply, you know, if I have a choice of buying a $35 hardback or a $10 Kindle version, it shouldn't be a surprise that people are looking at the at the Kindle version. No, I, I totally agree. I, um, I, in fact, the way that you use it when you're when you're going to the doctor's office is how I've really wanted to use it and just don't get a chance to do it that often. I've I've been a fan for a long time, and I think I've mentioned it here on the podcast of Instapaper, which allows me to save articles that I want to read in other uh, at another time. I just don't have time to read them, so I can save them all to a list. And Instapaper has a great feature where you you just provide it with your Kindle email address, and each day it will mail you the articles that you saved for the previous day. So it's almost like getting a little newspaper of all the news articles and items that you saved during the day. And it's a fantastic way to consume that information. It does cost you. They Kindle does charge you, I think, 15 cents for every email that uh, that it receives. But uh, that's not a, a huge price to pay to get good content delivered to your uh, your device. Thanks, Tom. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second the podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Yeah, I want to talk about, uh, considering that we've talked about Facebook today, I want to talk about a new browser that's out there. And you may be saying, oh, yeah, yet another browser. Lots of browsers out there. I've got the one browser that I like. But this is kind of an interesting one. It's called Rockmelt. It's a brand new browser. It's it's built, actually, on the Chrome browser. So if you're used to using the Google Chrome browser, it'll feel almost exactly the same. You can import your bookmarks. You can import your settings and your extensions. And, uh, and it will work pretty much like Google Chrome does. But where it's different is that it's a social browser. Uh, down your left side will be a, a small little list of all of your Facebook friends, little pictures of all your Facebook friends. And whether they're online or not, just click on one of their faces and you can instantly chat with them by instant message. Up at the very top is your icon and you can just click a button there and type in your Facebook status if, and easily do that without having to go to Facebook. Uh, on the right side, you can have access to your Twitter feeds. And so I I can read all my latest Twitter posts that come up there. You can add any RSS feeds to the right side so that you can review read any of the latest headlines that come by RSS feed. And then there's a share button for any link that you go to. If you just happen to be on a website, all you do is click the share button and you're immediately posting it to either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, it's a really interesting way to uh, to structure your browsing experience. And if you want to make it more social, then Rock Melt is uh, worth a shot. They're only accepting 
accepting people by invitation. So you go to rockmelt.com and request an invitation. You might know somebody who uh, who has some extra ones. When I got mine, I had three invitations, and those invitations were used up very quickly yesterday evening. And uh, so go to the website, request an invitation, and you can be using it soon. Dennis. You know, Tom, as you know, I was really resistant to Rock Melt, but your description there has got me a little bit um, more intrigued by that. So my my parting shot is uh, a podcast, again, and this one's called Spark. It comes from Canada's CBC Radio, and it's a great uh, podcast about technology and, and a lot of the social implications of technology. It's really done in an entertaining and educational way. And I I was really impressed by the last episode. And I just want to kind of go over what was on it to give you the range of topics and, and how interesting this podcast can be. So it started out with the, the story of how we're running out of IP addresses on the internet. And, you know, soon we may not be able to add, you know, more devices or websites unless we move to something called IPv6. And they just did a great, very entertaining and educational description of that. Then they talked about, uh, they had uh, a Canadian lawyer, Vanessa Grant, talk about social media guidelines in the workplace, just as uh, as reasonable and as balanced a uh, discussion of, of social media policies and guidelines as I've, I've heard. Then there was a nice discussion of uh, how privacy, our our sense of privacy changes depending on the context we're in and, and some of the studies done on that. Uh, interesting story about how there's a trend toward retro chic, as they call it, and how in Canada people are uh, looking at lumberjack clothes as becoming a, a trendy thing. An interview with my f- favorite science fiction author, author, William Gibson, and they ended up with a story uh, about how gay youth are using the internet um, as a safe place to get accurate information and support. And so it's a 50 minutes, lots of great information, professionally done as a radio show. I mean, this is an adjunct podcast, but if you're interested in the implications of technology, this is really a terrific place to go and gives you a, a non-U.S. perspective on things. So I I really like this podcast. Great suggestion, Dennis. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, are available on our show notes wiki at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Keep up with this podcast in your Facebook messages soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.